Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz, and my guest today is Jordan Harbinger, founder of The Art of Charm, an organization that offers training and coaching where ordinary guys become extraordinary. So a little different topic today. Welcome, Jordan. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, give me a little background um, on you. I I think it's funny in this um, digital age, you know, a lot of people's lives start when their websites are launched. (laughs) I wondered uh, if maybe you'd give me a little, uh, give us a little background on what led you kind of to where you uh, are today with uh, your organization, The Art of Charm. Sure. So, I mean, how I got into it, it type of thing? Yeah, or, or, or just, you know, what, uh, what led you to believe that you could teach guys how to be more confident? Yeah, you know, it didn't start that way. And that's a pretty good question because, you know, it is, it's a legitimate question, that's for sure. Uh, well, one day, I, I essentially, I was working in a law firm because I am a lawyer by trade. I was working in a law firm. I, it was in New York. And there was this partner who had hired me and he was never there. And so everyone was asking, you know, hey, where is this guy? How come he's never in the office? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And even further, not only is he never in the office, but he supposedly makes more money than everyone else. So I don't understand what's going on here. And I didn't really get it either because the, the, and for those of you not in the legal profession, it's all about billable hours. So it's kind of like if you work at a minimum wage job and you make $8 an hour and then you just don't show up and everyone's like, oh, well, he makes $10 an hour. And you're thinking, where the hell is this guy? So one day he was supposed to be my mentor, which in Wall Street parlance is some guy that HR forces you to take out for lunch every quarter or so. And um, so he took me out and he said, ask me anything. And I'm pretty sure that he meant about real estate finance. But instead I said, how come you're never in the office and you make more money than everybody else according to the rumors? And I didn't care about the job obviously at that point in time. And so he said, well, after reeling for a minute, he, he said, well, you know what, I'm out doing important things and these guys, he used a little bit of a, he said like tech monkeys or something. He's like, these guys were in the office till one o'clock in the morning on weekends. Those guys are replaceable. But me, I'm out getting business for the firm. And so I have to make more money because I can leave with my client book. Yeah. And, and that was pretty blunt, cold truth. Because what that means is, that somebody who has the skills to bring in business is always going to trump somebody who's got technical skill, even at the highest levels of the firm. So you can be a ninja when it comes to structuring real estate finance deals and managing it and get everything done on time and it's all impeccable and it never goes wrong and you're the man. But if you're not the guy who got that deal, you're playing second fiddle always, no matter what, for the rest of your life and you have you don't get to book your hours. This guy was always, he, had, he was from Brooklyn. He had a tan. I was like, what's going on here? This doesn't make any sense. He had just gotten back from a charity cruise that was like a long weekend. And he had the firm, of course, paid for that because he was schmoozing investment bankers from, you know, whatever, Bear Stearns or some right. bank that probably doesn't exist anymore to do real estate deals. And at the end of the day, he was going golfing, doing jujitsu, playing squash. And it was like, Oh, hey, we are, we've got this deal that we're throwing together with Morgan Stanley. Uh, we need a law firm. Hey, you're cool. You know, why don't you do it? All right, cool. You're served. Next. Right. <laughs> so he spent all of his time doing stuff like that. So what that told me, what that told me really changed the way that I look at work forever, which is people skills always trump technical skills, no matter what. And 
it couldn't even be more true now that I've moved to Silicon Valley because there's tech people listening right now who are like, well, not in my case. And it's even truer in Silicon Valley because I meet these guys who are supposedly like VPs of sales. And a lot of them are fairly useless and a lot of them are really good. And they're making hundreds of thousands, if not more dollars per year. Uh, I did a show with one in his his position is essentially business development, which is like selling the firm right. or the company. And he doesn't necessarily know how to code very well, but he is raking it in because all of these guys who are working in their office or whatever, even if they're the most gifted coder around, they're maxing out at a quarter million, 300 plus, maybe even more $1,000 per year plus their options. And he comes in with the same options, except for he can say, guess what, I'm leaving tomorrow to go work for another company that's at the same level or slightly higher unless you can keep me here. And they go, this is the one guy we can't get, we can't afford to lose because he's the guy who gets us our funding. He's the guy who sells our clients. He's the guy who makes sure that we have money coming in from outside investment. So it's really, uh, it, these skills are, are indispensable. So for me, I spent years after that learning networking, negotiation, persuasion, because I was never really good at the technical stuff. So I started because I sort of needed to shore up a weakness. And now I realize that this is a more rare and prized skill than any technical field you could master. And that, and that of course, leads us nicely to why you start. Well, I, I was going to ask you directly, you know, why you started the Art of Charm, but we probably ought to give a little, we ought to give a little intro into what is the Art of Charm, this business that you've created. Sure. So what the Art of Charm does in a nutshell is teach emotional intelligence in sort of a mechanical form. And I hate that word because it sounds mechanical, but it's sort of a in a logical form that anybody can learn and master. So if you're if you're sitting in a cubicle right now and you're like, or, or an office for that matter, and you're going, I, I program all day, what are you talking about? I can show you and the art of charm will show you how to be more outgoing, how to be more social, how to gamify it so it becomes habit, how to create positive habits, generate a way of life that doesn't require you to shed everything about yourself in order to be some sort of fake weirdo but gets you more social back to your sort of natural state, uh, social state as a human. <laughs> not to be too woo-woo, but really we, we build antisocial habits. We're not born with them. And, and for guys out there that are really social, we can help then hone those skills into something that's really, really usable. So the people that come to the Art of Charm tend to either be on the one hand software engineer types, and on the other hand, entrepreneurs, sales guys, military special forces, intelligence agents, those are the bulk of our clients because they know that these skills are literally live and die for some of these guys. And for sales guys, if they can convert 1% higher based on their ability to generate rapport, their ability to generate trust, which is everything in sales and the focus of what we teach at The Art of Charm, then this course will pay for itself in very, very short order. Well, so, and, and what's interesting is, I, I mean, some of your positioning, I'm, and, and I'm guessing initially, some of your uh, early on customers were guys looking to be better at meeting women. Uh, and, and I think what's interesting is, as I listened to you describe just what you went over there, I, I mean, these are, this is just life, I mean, you can be married 30 years and not be looking to meet women, and these are life skills that you can improve that don't really have to be thought of in that context. Right, and you know, that was how we originally started out because I was learning networking skills and things like that, but it was, I, I remember telling everybody, man, these are really great. I've got these job offers. No one 
gave a rat's you-know-what about any of that. And I was amazed by that. And I met my business partner, AJ, and he was really fantastic with women. And he started teaching me that skill set. And I started teaching him the networking skill set. And the overlap was tremendous, which was surprising for me. And also, we started telling people about that stuff. And they were like, hold on, let me get a notebook. And right. we realized, okay, if we ever need to sell this stuff, this is what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, so, we, so so break down the various... Um, I, I want to talk about kind of you know how your your view of business, but break down the actual uh, the the courses, the training, the various offerings. Sure. So what we have are essentially we have some online product offerings that are sort of lower end, but we also have we've got like uh, our week long live training program, and that is the that's the flagship of what we do, and it's a week long. It's in LA. I'm looking at a room full of guys from Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, the U.S. and Canada. I think there's one American oh. in the whole boot camp this that's, week, and that's, that's pretty normal. Yeah, that, that's yeah. yeah. They, they come from all over the world. It's residential, so it's six days, mm -hmm. and they stay on site. They learn these skills in an immersive environment. So we'll train you with body language, nonverbal communication. We videotape you, and then we break down the videotape with you with coaches. And this is videotape of, like, real-life situations. We videotape it, break down the tape with you and say like, here's, look, here's why your first impression is this way. And here's some feedback from actual people involved in interactions with you. And here's how we can tweak your nonverbal communication to communicate what you're wanting to communicate instead of what you just think you're communicating. And that really cuts down the learning curve because obviously we're never gonna be able to go into a business meeting, not get a deal and then follow back up with the people and have them go, oh, well, actually, your deal was fine. We just didn't really like you guys because you seemed unrelatable. They're never going to tell you that. They're going to go, we chose another vendor based on terms and a variety of other factors. Thank you very much for your time. Best of luck in your endeavors. You're ne and, and likewise with dating, if you're going out on dates with people and it seems great and then it doesn't, you're never going to be able to call her and go, what was the problem? And have her go, hmm, let me think about that. Actually, I felt like your proximity was a little bit close and it made me feel psychologically uneasy because I hadn't quite, no, you're, she's just going to go, I don't know, you know, you're a great guy, just, you know, I'm just not ready to date now or whatever, you know, excuse you get. It doesn't really, and even a woman who's very direct won't be able to tell you the real reason nine times out of ten because we don't cognitively and consciously understand or realize what's going on. You don't say man, this guy really, really stood close to me and he was, his body language was too open and I found his emotions didn't match his eye contact, which made me think he had a hidden agenda, which made me not trust him. We yeah. think, huh, that guy creeped me out for some reason. Yep. I don't like him. I'm not going to do business with him. Yeah. And that's not feedback that we can make. That, that's not actionable. So what we do is we give the actionable part and then tweak it. So so let's talk a little bit about uh, the business itself. Um, you how how long have you had uh, the Art of Charm? Uh, well, we've been doing the show and the training for seven and a half years. Okay. So since two thousand and seven. So uh, tell me a little bit about the growth. Um, I just from what I can tell and from talking to other people, I know you know you've had some of my peers on on your show. Uh, seems like lately. Uh, uh, a whole host of them, and uh, it, it sounds like you're kind of, in a lot of people's terms, uh, you guys are really hitting it out of the park. So talk a little bit about Thanks. your growth and how that's gone as it, you know, I'd love to hear, I always love to hear if people say, well, yeah, we planned this and we planned that, or if they just kind of stumbled their way to, to, to success and found things that worked, I, I'd love to hear kind of your take on your growth. 
Sure. So, I mean, when we started, we actually weren't planning on starting a business. It was just something that was, that was fun. And uh, it was a hobby. So we never really thought, okay, this is going to be the beginning of our, our marketing and we're going to gain people's trust by giving them free information. And then we're going to later on get them into a funnel and upsell them. So it was never like that. So the first hundred plus shows were just kind of interesting. You know, they were fun. It was a hobby. It was a passion project. I worked on Wall Street. AJ was a cancer biologist. Our coaches were, you know, doing other things. They weren't, they weren't there yet. And after a while, I hired coaches to come in and step in because we had been getting people emailing us like, hey, I've worked with lots of other coaches and they're not really doing it for me. I want you to coach me. And we'd write back like, thanks, but, you know, it's, it's not really something that we do. We're not necessarily coaches. And, you know, it was, it was really fun to see that. And after a while, having people say, I'll give you, you know, X thousand dollars if, if you'd let me stay with you for a week. And we were like, wait a minute, we're, we're throwing away good business opportunities here if this is something that's consistently happening. You know, why, are, why aren't we doing this as a business? And so we finally started to take on limited clients. And those people said, we even said like, listen, we're, we're gonna charge you minimally because we're not really coaches, you know? And this is in 2007. Because <laughs> yeah, we might break you. And we, yeah, yeah, we might break something. <laughs> we're gonna take it real easy and we're gonna kind of be making it up as we go along. We have some ideas on how it'll work, blah, blah, blah. And they would come in and go, I've worked with 12 different coaches or eight different coaches or five or whatever, and you guys are by far the best. And we're thinking, well, what kind of knuckleheads have you been working with if we're the best? <laughs> and they would label these companies that had been around for a while. And I thought, wait a minute, that's strange. Well, I guess we fit with some people, you know, really well, who knows? And then we started meeting these other quote unquote coaches, obviously no names mentioned in person. And we were like, wait a minute, this guy's an internet marketer. He's not really a coach. He's when he gets a quote unquote client, he's just taking money and hoping for the best. He's not actually a coach. He's a sales copy specialist because we met them in real life and they would be like, yeah, yeah, it's really easy to da, 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 get money from people. And, you know, they don't know. So you sell them an ebook and then you sell them some videos. And if they want more, you do this BS thing where you like Skype coach them. And I'm thinking that's kind of terrible. <laughs> so not only do we have a duty to now coach people, but we have a duty to be the best out there because otherwise they're going to get left to the scammy dregs of the internet that are preying on guys that actually want to learn. So we hired real coaches. We hired real consultants. We got therapists on staff. We started really stepping our game up in this area and we started our residential program and we went through years and years and years and years of revisions to make sure it was the best program that we could make it. And that was really rewarding for us and still is because now we know that no matter where you go, because we've taken just about every program out there for any sort of tangentially related skill. And every time we find a new one, we're kind of the first ones on board, as long as it's reputable. And it is really interesting to see how a lot of the time they'll have some new thing and we'll adopt it for our boot camp. And the rest of the time we're thinking, wow, we just paid like eight grand for that. And it's really surface level stuff. They're not really going deep with any of the guys. And I'll even talk to those coaches and figure, why, why, aren't, why aren't they doing this? Well, either they can't or it's just not, quote unquote, profitable enough. So we've sort of been towing the line since then about we need to be profitable as a company, but we need to do it in a way that doesn't sacrifice the quality because then we're just like everybody else. And so we started hiring like crazy. We broke seven figures a few years ago, several years ago. We broke multi seven figures a few years ago. And it's just been growing and growing and growing. And it's really interesting 
and crazy for us because again we started in some other guy's basement and now we're doing this professionally and we've come a long way and it's it's still funny because we we still have what, what i think a lot of entrepreneurs have which is imposter syndrome where it'll creep up and go man you know these guys say we're changing their lives and this is really great and we love what we do and we're really good at it but man that's you know who knew like are we really doing this you know is this really mm -hmm. and it's funny because it's not something that lasts permanently but you know every now and then a coach will be like you know i just feel like i need to be better at this and i'm like everyone in the whole company feels that way everyone in every company feels that way i've talked to people who have co-founded massive tech companies that you use every day and they still go yeah i just some days i just feel like someone else out there you know is better suited for this and it's like you invented spotify quit crying you know what i mean <laughs> right so tell me what's what's worked for you specifically in terms of marketing as far as you're concerned well we we stuck with what our original model was which is create a podcast that goes really far we're top 50 itunes or top 100 depending on what day you're looking at itunes show people really resonate with that because it's it's a really interactive way to talk to your listener. It's not a sales letter, it's not a pitch, it's just straight up value content that people can apply. And if they apply things from you for months and months and it's working, and it's working really well, and they resonate with your message, they'll buy from you over the guy who's like, buy this now or you're never gonna be able to reproduce, ha ha ha, right? Like that's the marketing that they're bombarded with. Or, you know, if you don't buy this, your business will probably fail. And we're like, here's a bunch of free stuff to improve your business. So then they come back and go, wow, that really worked. I'd love to learn more about that from you directly because now, obviously, I know you know what you're talking about. And that's been really, really good. And I know that other people do that via email marketing. Some people do it with books. But we do it with podcasting. And it's, it's, we're pretty unique in that way. So tell me about your podcast in terms of uh, what's, what's the format and, and you know, how, do you, how do you determine kind of what you're going to talk about show by show? Sure. So... The format is generally interview-based. There's a lot where we simply do Art of Charm content, which we call Toolbox episodes, where I'll, I'll have maybe the coaches for the Art of Charm on as guests. But normally, I'll find a guest that has a message that I think is interesting, and I will have the, the guest prepare with me over the phone, prepare via email, and then we go and have a candid conversation. I've been broadcasting for seven and a half, eight years, so it's pretty easy for me now to simply start recording, but I still prepare because I think every good professional prepares no matter what. I think being a professional means you know the value of preparation, not you don't need it anymore, but I digress. Uh, and so I'll work on that. And then of course it goes to engineers to make us sound golden. But in deciding what I'm gonna talk about, it's really easy because the brand really follows my own interests as a quote unquote typical 34 year old guy. Now I can relate things to somebody who's 21. I can relate things to somebody who's 51, but generally I'm looking for things that I'm interested in, whether it's business related, networking related, social skills related, dating and relationship related, it doesn't really matter. And that's been really easy in terms of steering the ship because a lot of people go, all right, well, the numbers show that X people are searching for this. And if we keyword stuff for that, we're going to get this and that and the other thing. And that's all fine and good, but at the end of the day, it's kind of a robo way to produce content instead of an artistic way. And at the end of the day, man, people are listening to this because they want to learn, but they want to be entertained too. So if you listen to a show that follows the same format every day and it's got the same crappy canned questions and there's one every single day and they're all the same, 
people lose interest and those audiences are far less engaged than somebody who's applying this stuff to actually make changes in their life. Yeah, so um, do you, I mean, obviously you have not just guests on, but you have a lot of topics on. I mean, do you do you tend to find that uh, that there are certain topics that just really ignite people or that, uh, that, that are really hot topics that you come back to time and again? Sure, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I talk about a ton is networking and relationship development for business generation purposes. Um, and then there's, and we talk about that within the workplace as well. So it's not just like, oh, how to get business if you're a lawyer. Um, we get email from a lot of law firms that say they make their junior associates listen to the show for networking purposes. But we also get a lot of people that are like, listen, you know, I'm happily married and I work at a corporation. What can you do for me? And those are the, the, the networking stuff still really applies there as well, because you need to have people buy you and people buy you, whether you're working in an office, they buy you, whether you're working for yourself. And that's really crucial. A lot of people think, oh, I work at Apple. I don't need to network. I got a job. You know, I'm going to move up the ladder like everyone else. And the truth is, if you don't realize that there's another game being played around you, it just means you're losing, you know. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, so what? At what point, though? I'm curious uh, because there are other people out there that have started a podcast or started producing content without any real, maybe real business uh, necessarily in mind. Uh, at what point did you start, you know, actively monetizing the fact that you had a a community or a listenership? The listenership really kicked that off for us. Um, so I, I sort of explained before how we were getting emails and people were saying, I'll give you X, Y, Z dollars to come stay with you. After a while, we got feedback and follow-up from those guys that was like, wow, this stuff really stuck. This is amazing. You guys know what you're doing. You guys are better than the other people in your industry. You should really go for this. And so after a while, we thought, okay, we have something here. So we started sort of as a side gig where I hired full-time coaches to run the Art of Charm programs, develop curriculum, et cetera. And that's when we started advertising. And this is probably like mm, a year or two after we'd started the show. And so once we started doing that, we were flooded with clients. I mean, it was slow going at first, I should say. Like, don't expect the same treatment, you know, with you and your business if you're starting out. But it will absolutely come. If you are offering a solid product and people have trust in you, you will get business. I mean those are the pieces and so we started to actively advertise without being pushy about it and people just kept coming to us and they still do yes yeah, so tell me a little bit about the advertising and obviously to the level you're comfortable sharing because uh, that's a that seems to be a hard nut for a lot of people to crack they either run advertising that's not effective and get no value out of it or they just don't do it at all um, and so I'm, I'm interested in to hear um, what your kind of overall advertising strategy has been Sure. So essentially, we only mentioned the boot camps a couple of times during the show. Um, some people who are kind of, I would just say, anal retentive are like, oh, wow, there's advertising in here. But, you know, you've got to balance that with the fact that we've got 302 now episodes of free stuff out there for the whole world. Um, so we don't annoy, we don't push, we just make the existence of our training known. And people who are interested will reach out to us. We don't badger people via email we don't uh cold call we don't telemarket none of that we really just say hey listen are you getting a lot out of this great if you want a lot more come see us in la and we'll make it happen we have oh so so, so that's all inside of your show it's you're all not really doing oh, okay so you're not actually reaching out and you know i don't know where advertising on facebook or something no, to drive no. people to something no okay. we don't and, and i'm not bragging like we don't even need advertising it's yeah. mostly that 
we haven't looked at that because we yeah. haven't needed it yet. Right. And our other avenues of generating business have produced more business than we can actually serve right now. Yeah. I'm curious. I, I ask a lot of people this because I learned so much from it. Where, where do you go to learn about you know, how to build your business, how to learn new stuff? It's kind of funny because it, it's it goes back to what we teach at AOC, which is I've got a huge network of people here in San Francisco and beyond. I'm in EO, which is an entrepreneur mm -hmm. organization, so I have access to a lot of people there. Uh, I go to conferences here and there, but really I reach out to people and I ask them questions that other people probably wouldn't ask. You know, I can call somebody like, let's say, man, I'm trying to find an example. I'm looking at my list here and there's a lot of people. I'm trying to think who's not going to kill me for mentioning their name, but um, <laughs> I can call somebody in, in my network that's maybe like the, C, the guy who runs under 30 CEO and I can say, hey, you've got a huge viewer base you know what's the key oh well i do this and this and this all right cut the crap what do you really do to build this and he's like well i've got an ad strategy that involves this that and the other thing and he knows that i'm not going to go out create an info product based on that and start selling it i'm not going to out his strategies to his competitors i'm not going to directly copy things that he's created i'm just going to use that as a guideline and help and of course he's able to do the same thing like oh i'm really interested in you know, escalating or honing this part of my business, can you help? And, and it's really great to, to be able to do that because at some level you realize helping other entrepreneurs make money is a great way to make money yourself and to get business and trust yourself. Because if you help somebody like James Altucher sell a book and then you say, hey, I would really love to, for you to help me with this, that, and the other thing, this is a guy who's made millions of dollars investing in businesses. He's not going to be afraid to go, hey, you know what? I noticed your positioning seems a little off on this. You might want to look at that. <laughs> right. And it's just being candid and, and having the trust in other people to be candid with them. Because honestly, a lot of entrepreneurs are surrounded by yes men mm -hmm. and people that they don't get real feedback from. So if you can be a guy who gives candid feedback in a tactful way and you can receive candid feedback in a, in a graceful way, people are really going to appreciate that. Like if I say something like, Hey, John, you know, and I, e I actually emailed you. It's a funny coincidence. I emailed you after you came on my show and I was like, I noticed a little issue with something. You yep. might want to look at this, that, and the other thing. And probably a lot of people would be like, I'm not going to say anything because John might get mad at me and then not like me. And then I won't be able to talk to him about stuff. But I have a feeling if you're like me, you appreciate it when somebody mentions something because otherwise people are too busy going, oh, that's, that's an ugly thing right there, but I don't want to make Jordan mad because yeah. then he won't have me on his show or whatever. Yeah, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people that do react negatively to what, what they see as criticism, and, and I think that's unfortunate because you shut that down, and boy, you, you're really in trouble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Big trouble. Yeah. Well, Jordan, thanks so much for joining us. Um, Theartofcharm.com. Is there anything, any other resources people need to know about to, to uh, obviously to find your podcast? Uh, is, is You can find it there on Art of Charm, but certainly on iTunes as well. Sure, yeah. Theartofcharmpodcast.com for people who are not iTunes folks, yeah. you know, Stitcher, iTunes. Just search right. for The Art of Charm. We, we should be difficult to not find. So, yeah. you know, that's the idea. That's right. Well, good. Uh, having you on. I appreciate you taking your time and uh, hopefully we'll see you out there on the road. Great. Thanks so much, John. <laughs>